This week we got news from north of the border. We have all sorts of information about Ottawa and Three Rivers and their search for their managerial staff. And a lot more on this show because this is the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, we are back again. Episode number 85, according to my notes. I'm Nick. He's Will. And we're going to talk about some independent league baseball, as we have for quite some time now. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. So, we usually don't do this. Normally, we just say, oh, right, they broke news again after we finished recording at like 1.30. Again, I know this keeps happening here. So normally we just wait and then we just put it on next week's show, make a snarky remark about it, talk about it and move along. However, this one is actually really deserving of getting its own cut in segment. So we're going to interrupt your usually scheduled podcast with a quick insert here. I have no idea where I'm actually going to put this. So when you hear it, you'll know. It'll probably go right in after the intro and cut off everything else, which is going to really make that comment I made during this show. Oh, uh, there really isn't much on this show today, guys. It's going to be a pretty quick one. It's really going to make that look real funny in hindsight yeah. because that aged like milk. Well, um, funny joke, Funny joke. Exactly. Real funny. So, uh, yeah. So we're going to just kind of jump into that tantalizing bit of news real quick. And uh, just real quick, though, before we do that, I will let you know that during the main recording and probably during this one at some point, uh, the audio does kind of cut in and out a little bit. So sometimes you're going to lose a couple seconds of what was said. And that is kind of distracting. I'm going to tell you that in the edit, I'm doing my best slash did my best to actually kind of correct that and make it all flow seamless seamlessly. So if there's parts of the conversation that you're like, wait, they never mentioned that. Uh, that's because either it was dropped out during the edit or dropped out during recording. So uh, apologies for that, but uh, we're going to get it fixed and there's not really much more I can do about it. Uh, there's only so much you could do to save it in the edit. Uh, with that said, though, we're going to get to the main point of this and why we're kind of dropping in ahead of the usual program here uh, with the news that at around four o'clock today, I went and I checked my emails right before I started editing and saw an email from the American Association that had said the Texas Air Hogs are no longer a member of the American Association. Uh, The exact press release uh, does read as follows. Title, Texas Air Hogs Terminate Membership in American Association. The body, uh, Moorhead, Minnesota. The Texas Air Hogs of the American Association of Independent Professional Baseball Club, based in Grand Prairie, Texas, have terminated their membership in the league, effective immediately. The Air Hogs have been members of the American Association, initially the Grand Prairie Air Hogs, since 2008, and were league champions in 2011. With the exit of the Air Hogs, the American Association currently sits at 11 active member clubs. Quote, we are disappointed in the loss of, t- of the Texas Air Hogs, but we are determined to continue expansion in the state of Texas, end quote, said American Association Commissioner Joshua Schraub. 
quote, we have a great operator in Cleborne with the rail with the railroaders, and we anticipate announcing future expansion in Texas in 2021, end quote. That is the total sum of the release. So I guess I'll go to you for a reaction first. What are your thoughts on the news that the Texas Airhogs are no longer in the uh, American Association? So, Nick, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I've kind of been surprised that we haven't seen more of this yeah. up to this up to this point. And I'll tell you why. Just because independent league teams operate on such thin margins in a normal year with mm. with, with any year. And, and I know I've read countless articles that say, yeah, sometimes the difference between you turning a profit and going into the red is, is the kind of weather you're having. And it, it is that tight of margins when you cancel out an entire baseball season and you have no or close to no revenue. I'm not sure with if the Airhogs were doing uh, really anything, whether it's driving movies or fireworks or wh- whatever. It doesn't. Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't seen anything from them in the sense of them promoting a drive-in movie or a movie on the field or or a- anything like that. So I was really expecting a lot more of this. And I guess once we the season kind of came and gone, came and went, and we didn't see any teams like dropping out. Everybody's ready for everybody's focused on 2021. I, I was pleasantly surprised. And then this news dropped today, and I, I guess obviously this came out of nowhere. Uh, you and I both had no indication of of the Air Hogs dropping out i mean obviously we we knew that there wasn't that it, when you when you're looking at most successful uh, american association teams you certainly do not think of the texas air hogs both in the sense of attendance and obviously uh, on the field as fans of the american association know very well yeah and we knew we've known for a while that they're not really run that great however it's a little surprising in the sense uh, in the sense of that ballpark is awesome. That ballpark is awesome, and I and I really really hope that somebody will come in and and uh, and and buy I don't know at least buy the ballpark. I'm not sure if it's if it's necessarily going to be back in the American Association and whatnot, but I really hope somebody takes advantage of that ballpark because it is a great ballpark uh, in Grand Prairie, Texas. But I guess I'm not really all that surprised in the sense that I'm surprised we didn't see more. We haven't seen more teams end up having to, I mean, I don't want to say fold because that's not the words they use, but I mean, based on what they posted uh, on their social media and, and it really seems like, like a goodbye uh, in a lot of senses. And, and you look at their attendance, I mean, from, from the 2018 season to the 2019 season, I mean, in the 2019 season, they had the second worst. They were, they finished 11th out of 12 in attendance at 1,200, averaging 1,239 fans per game, finishing just ahead of the Sioux City uh, Explorers. And not only that, but they also suffered the uh, steepest drop in average attendance from 2018 to 2019, uh, losing roughly 440 fans on average uh, from from 20, the 2018 season. So it's really sad. It's really sad for, for those fans. I'm sh- and and that ballpark, like I mentioned, is really awesome. But and it's it sucks because. You'd think they're probably not the last, 
uh, that that is the last casualty of this coronavirus pandemic, specifically in in, in indie ball. But uh, it doesn't make it easier, nonetheless, and um, it, it, it it's really sad. It really is, and I mean, you mentioned that we didn't really see it coming. That's right, we didn't really see it coming. I had some people when I was kind of reaching out and seeing like what the deal was. And some people were saying, yeah, we, we kind of heard it was coming down the pipe or we didn't hear it was coming. But from what we know, it's not terribly surprising it happened. And uh, from what you just said, I mean, it really isn't that surprising when you have poor attendance. Uh, they really weren't terribly good on the field. They were switching around managers a lot as of late, too. I know they had a deal with one club in China, I believe it was, about some sort of a player exchange going on. And you mentioned the razor-thin margins that exist. I mean, that exists on just about every level of baseball. There's no real way around that. And then when you tack on to the plans that probably fell through, I know way back in the beginning of all this, when all the little pop-up leagues were first being announced and everything, it was uh, rumored at least that there may be an all-Texas league where you'd have uh, Cleburne, you'd have Sugarland, and you'd have the Air Hogs, and I want to say there's one other that was rumored to be jumping in in the fray and they'd all play against each other in Texas because you could keep it isolated and everything and then obviously the Constellation League rose up and then it just kind of became untenable with uh, with the situation at hand and you did mention the social media there and I mean it, it really is kind of hard to deny that anything other than the fact that they seem to just banged up shop I mean on their Twitter account they said, uh, quote, we appreciate the love and support the Air Hogs fans have shown over the last 12 years. To all that have played a part in the success of the team, thank you. And then the little thank you fans graphic. Uh, I believe their Instagram uh, posted something very similar, if not identical to that as yeah. well. Uh, let me just pull <laughs> it up real quick just to make certain of that. I, yeah, I have same it up. Okay, yeah, yeah then have- if, is it the same thing? Uh, yeah, they just added. It. It's a little bit, a little bit longer. It just says, "quote We appreciate the love and support the Air Hogs fans have shown over the last twelve years. We are proud that this organization uh, brought Grand Prairie an American Association championship and made memories along the way for players, staff, and most importantly, the fans. To all who have played a part in the success of the team, thank you." Close quote. Yeah, and it, it's kind of su- you know what's really sad here. You look at all like the comments and everything underneath the posts and everything. Oh yeah. And there's some people that genuinely believe that they're they're going to be back. Like one person here saying they just dropped out of the American Association. Other people are saying is something changing? What's happening? It's really just a really confusing point of time right now because I mean we really don't we don't have anything in concrete for certainty, but it seems to be pretty much set in stone at this point uh what's going to be happening here and i mean i even like to really hammer at home i even emailed the team itself because normally if you just email them uh either you'll get a response or you'll get some sort of automated reply and when i sent the thing not a minute later i got a bounce back saying that email address doesn't exist anymore so it seemed oh, wow. seem, yeah it seems like they banged up everything the website's still up as far as i know uh, but that's about it. Like the contact us information's all down. Uh, there's no sort of update or anything. They didn't even post something saying they were leaving the American Association. And presumably, if they were still planning on operating, sure, you would shut off some of the information and everything. But 
you would at least post something on your website saying, oh, we're late from the American Association, but the best is yet to come. Stay tuned for more news or something to that extent. But there really is nothing. It's just radio silence across the board here. And I think realistically, the only thing that you could take away from that is that they're just about done, that they're banging up shop. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a uh, coincidence that this information comes out about a week after the American Association um, meetings all wrap up. I mean, I'm sure this was a topic of conversation. I'm sure they brought it to the table saying, look, we're on the verge. We need some sort of help. And I mean, what help can you really get? I mean, the league's not, it's not like you're asking Major League Baseball to help you. I mean, there's only so much that can really be done to save you uh, when you're when you're sinking yeah. like that. The league doesn't have those resources to be able to do too too much to really aid you. Yeah, and, and I hate I hate to say it, but um, and not to get like I, I'm obviously, I mean, people hate politics, but at the end of the day, like, well, hmm. the, there hasn't been any major financial relief for small businesses since back in oh god, I don't know, like June. Yeah, right. it was way back in the, the beginning thing. of the summer. There, there's yeah. been nothing so, in relief. And, and so while that, and, and unfortunately, while people on both sides continue to argue, 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 this is what happens because because at the end of the day, the, while people argue that bills need to be paid, re, uh, rent needs to be paid, uh, the utilities need to be paid, uh, the lease obviously has has to be paid. And at the end of the day, if if, if, they, if they if there's no way of relief, because certainly. The American Association, like the league itself, is definitely not in, in a position to be able to give them any sort of bailout. Certainly not. And at the end of the day, you know, it's this is essential. Um, unfortunately, this is going to be the result, and I feel like this is not going to be uh, the last team, and certainly not the last the last um, business. Or I mean, because uh, indie balls are small businesses, and unfortunately, we've seen that throughout the country. And this is just the, the latest example of, oh, if you can't, if you can't, if aid isn't getting to them, this is, this is what's going to happen for them. Exactly. It's just, it, there's no end in sight until they can get some sort of help there. It uh, looks like the Cleburne Rail Riders on their Twitter also posted something about this, uh, essentially saying to the extent that they're saddened about what's happening, especially with the uh, prospect of future expansion into Texas. They're still excited about that expansion, and they're looking forward to the next season, but it definitely seems to be the general consensus from around the board here that uh, while it may have been expected, or at least not unexpected, um, and it definitely is hitting everyone in the uh, in the American Association hard, and quite frankly, I definitely see where they're coming from here. I mean, it definitely puts you in an odd spot right now. Let's not forget that St. Paul could still be moving into affiliated ball too and then all of a sudden you just went from 12 to 10 real quick even with this potential expansion into texas which who knows where in texas this could be I, there there may be a ballpark but off the top of my head i can't think of anything at the moment and like you said this isn't going to be the last it, there's probably a few more there i mean we can all think of a couple teams in each league that probably aren't doing the best financially with mm -hmm. really the exception of maybe the atlantic league there, there's at least two or three teams in each league that are barely hanging on here. No, there, there, there's, there's. I, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not really at liberty. To yeah, not speak, without naming speak, names. But, but I, I, I do. There, there are. There is at least one team I know of that is not in the best financial shape at the moment. 
I th- and so yeah, I th- I think I can kind of I think we can all kind of guess which which ones they won't be would make that list. And I mean, the Atlantic League themselves, sure, they may be expanding, they are expanding, but even still, I mean, it doesn't exempt the the current member teams from having financial hardships. Plus, again, mm-hmm. if Somerset leaves, if Sugarland leaves, that also puts a giant hole in the side of the boat there too. So it's not like you know, this is a non-issue. I mean, we on this episode, we were going to talk about, I, I may still leave it in, I don't really know at this point, about possible places where you could see a Frontier League go, an American Association go, a, a Frontier League team go. And now it's like, okay, well, you see one team kind of cave in on itself, and now how much does that change the landscape? Obviously, with the American Association, the plan is still full steam ahead, expand into Texas and keep things going here. And obviously, with the expansion, they will go back up to 12 if this does go through. And obviously, that's something we want to ask about. But there's a lot There's a lot to this here. Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot to it and at the end of the day it, it's really just sad but n- not only do you have obviously l- let's be honest here it's pretty clear that the air hogs were not the among the most well-run organizations mm. at all but uh and when you don't have when you when you're bringing in attendance of like roughly 1400 fans a night it, it's really hard to, 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 to survive that way yeah and, and it's it's really hard to survive that way no matter how uh nice your ballpark is and and, and stuff like that i mean at the end of the day excuse me hmm. around 1200 fans a night and that's probably an exaggeration just because we know how um indie ball attendance is, is definitely they, they kind of inflate it for pretty much everybody but yeah. and that's just not it's just not going to get it done not to mention when you don't play for a season i again i'm surprised that it's not it hasn't happened to more teams uh but and not to say i want it to happen i absolutely do not but i, I am surprised that it hasn't happened to more teams and maybe and maybe maybe it will but i mean and you also nick you started to mention you look on their website currently under the front office tab they have two people yeah two they have their general manager and their director of stadium operations so you have to wonder that and certainly it probably went under the radar but you but probably at that point they've probably laid, laid off or furloughed pretty much everybody so and when you're still struggling after that, then then essentially you have no no uh, no other point but but to cease operations and especially it's something that's that's happened so quick and we had no uh, no warning of it. It is definitely it had to be something. Um, it had to be something because of that. But you know what? But I really really do hope that they're able to use that that stadium in in some way and hopefully can bring, they can use that stadium and and bring bring their attendance up again. Mm. And something else of interest because I was just kind of snooping around on their social media pages too. There's no mention on their Instagram or their Twitter accounts of the partnership with Major League Baseball. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like the last ones posted, uh, at least from I forget which account it was, but one Post was about the Braves NLCS roster, uh, mm. which obviously had a, an alumni on there, and then the other one was from September fourth. So they they went quite some time in between there, and that's uh, 
it, it's troubling there. And I mean, we talked about their success on the field. It's not drawing anyone in. I mean, they had four winning seasons in their history and they haven't had a winning season since 2013. Uh, so, you know, that's not going to draw people in. I don't really think there was any notable stars that you really had on the team that would draw Certainly anybody not. in. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, there's just nothing. There's really nothing here that when you look through uh, that that says that they would succeed. And like you said, I hope that the stadium gets used partially because it's a very nice stadium. And it does uh, it does deserve to have a tenant in it, but also because, well, yeah, they didn't draw the best. There's still fans associated with the team. Of course. Like you still want to see the the fans have something to rally around now yeah especially and also like when, when you're winning like 20 like 25 30 35 games a season like I, as a baseball fan like me i i, I don't know if i'd want to go watch that exactly <laughs> I, I mean not even just because it's like you even just for the casual fan if you care about who wins and loses they probably don't but you still want to go and watch an entertaining game and that's not entertaining. If you go, you walk in and go out of a hundred games, they're going to lose eighty of them, right? And so that's that's hey, a major at, drawback. At least they, at least they have Tyler Matzik going for them. <laughs> that's about all they got going for him at the moment. <laughs> but, I mean that. Uh, I mean, at least they got the Texas Airhawks got multiple shoutouts on uh, during the NLCS. So I mean, if only they could have held anything. on. <laughs> that, that, that was their last moment of glory. That was, that was their victory. That was their victory lap. That was their last gasp of air before going under underwater. Uh, right. But who knows? They could have hung on one more year. Maybe they would have gotten all those brave fans out to the ballpark there. But it it's still I, just, man, I just, like you said, it's not that I'm shocked that this happened or that I'm surprised that this happened. Because, I mean, at this point with Major League ba- or with Independent League Baseball, if a team goes under, a team goes under, it's not that shocking. What's shocking to me is that's happening now. And that this is the first of it, and that there was no inkling of this happening. Like at least normally, at least you'd hear it, and it would kind of be an open secret. But this wasn't even an open secret. Like some people knew, I guess people behind like the player procurement kind of end of things. But even still, I just I, it took me off guard. I mean, I even posted on social media saying, "Look, this is kind of out of the blue here. I just I didn't see this happening." To, to be honest with you, Nick, the first, what, what, right after we're done with this recording, I'm going to go through a checklist of all the Frontier League, uh, Frontier League, Atlantic League, and American Association and see who's posted about the Partner League. Because I guess that, I mean, to be honest with you, even though it kind of sounds dumb, I mean, that is, a, considering the Airhogs, at least to our knowledge, were the only team who didn't post about becoming a Partner League. And obviously, op- opinions will differ about how, important there is and how much you care about it but certainly if you're an independent league team you're trying to market that and if, if you're not posting about it at all i mean i didn't notice anything and uh, at, at all about that uh, but that that's certainly a, a red flag it, it definitely is like it, like you said it's news that's big either way you can have whatever opinion you want on the matter but the whole point of that partnership was marketing and promotion and if you're not going to market and promote it it says something there and it's not like it takes an awful lot to promote this. I mean, some teams got lazy with it and just posted the link to the American Association Frontier League Atlantic League site and put a little witty quote there with a couple emojis but and didn't make their own graphic or anything. But even still, it, they still promoted it in, in a sense. 
And now I don't know if on the actual Texas Airhawk website it was posted there or not. But if it was and then it wasn't put on social media, that says even more, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, there, I might, might, might as well take a look. Uh, yeah, but I'm doing no, the same thing. It, yeah, it, it was not. Their, la- their last post was that the uh, 2020 season has been canceled, at least for them. Uh, that that was the last thing that was posted oh, on yeah. their website. That's a, yeah, that's the last thing that's there. Let's see. And then we go to press box news just because in case. Yeah, no, that that's the last bit. The last update from their website was in April, which right. I mean, it, that says that says something. If you're not even updating your website, if you're not maintaining your channels of communication, I mean, what does that say? I know they also had a podcast running, which I don't think is up and running anymore. I think Justin Bird was a guy that did a did a lot with that though. So I kind of chalked up when that stopped to just well, he's playing out in minnesota now so yeah that, that's to be expected that they wouldn't continue it but even still i mean like like i know i just keep repeating the same things at this point as into just oh, i can't believe this happened i don't know why this happened or anything like that but or not that i don't know why it happened it's clear why it happened but even still it's it's a bit jarring that it happened so suddenly i think that's the real thing that gets me yeah, no, it it definitely is pretty jarring. I mean, whenever whenever you lose a uh, a, a indie ball team like this, obviously, um, obviously, there's it's quite it's, it is quite jarring, like you put. Uh, but it, it doesn't make it any less disappointing. No doubt about that. Exactly, and the only thing left, I think, we really have to say on this topic is how we kind of just overlooked in all of this how. Uh, it explicitly states in the press release, and it comes from the mouth of the commissioner of the American Association, as well as other teams, they're going to be expanding into Texas now. Yeah. Like, we just kind of overlooked this. I'm just curious if we think anything about that or, like, where it could possibly go in Texas at this point. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to say without knowing which teams are cut and which teams stay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Obviously, on that original Baseball America cut list, I mean, for lack of a better term, I, there wasn't any teams from Texas. But I mean, that's not to say that that couldn't change. I know. I I would be surprised if that list was one hundred percent accurate. But I, I think without knowing who's cut and whatnot, I think it'd be hard to. I think it would be hard to find, but uh, I mean, although I'm, I'm sure there's places in Texas where you, you could, you could definitely kind of expand to, and I'm not sure, I guess it depends if you're building a new stadium, if you're, if there's already a stadium built, uh, I'm not too familiar, with that, but I think without seeing which teams are definitely cut and which teams are staying, it's probably a little pre- premature to, to say, although it, it is good that they're saying that we're, that, uh, the American association is saying that they want to, that they definitely want to expand in Texas into in more into Texas and that they were um, definitely very adamant about it. Yeah. It's just faith in the market. And the thing, the immediate thing that came to mind when I heard Texas was that failed Southwest league that we, that was like on the first or second episode of the show that we talked about. And uh, the, I know three of those markets were in Texas and I looked it up. One's in Roy city, one's in Bellamy, uh, which is just outside of Waco, and then another one in Dallas. 
And I don't think two of those ballparks were ever built. One, I think, was or was at least pending. Uh, so maybe that. Uh, yeah, supposedly in the one in Dallas, uh, I, I believe it's pronounced Rochevron, uh, park includes a 3,500-seat uh, baseball stadium, but it does so say it's from small, the 19... Yeah, it also does say it's from the 1920s, so that's a major strike against it. Uh, yeah, just a bit. I mean, uh, that, that makes the... Now, now we have a new a new leader in the clubhouse from the from the Hagerstown Suns today. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, I'm probably going to throw this in before that whole discussion. So that's going <laughs> that's going to be like I was like, what the hell are you talking about with Hagerstown? And then, especially if I have to cut that <laughs> section, <laughs> if I have to what? cut that section, that's going to be like, what the hell are you talking so, about? Sorry, Hagerstown? I'm an idiot. Never mind. No, it's staying in now. <laughs> <laughs> that that the damage is done, my friend. Yeah, I got, I got, I guess not going back now. Uh, but, oh uh, yeah, so I guess because now we've been talking about it for about a half hour, and I'm gonna tack it on. I'm probably actually now gonna have to take that section off, but I'll find a way to release it in some fashion so that way it's not totally disjointed. Or maybe I'll take out the Ottawa news and all that and slap it in there. But uh, we'll figure out a way to edit this together where it makes sense. But I guess we could kind of wrap up this breaking news insert segment. And send everyone back to the regularly scheduled podcast, uh, just with some quick kind of parting thoughts, kind of like a, a quick 30, 40 second wrap up of just what you make of the whole situation that we've been talking about. And we've basically said all that could be said here, but just uh, kind of the parting thoughts, if you would, uh, from this whole situation. Yeah, it, it's, I guess, j- just to wrap it up quickly, um, it, it's obviously really sad to see a market. Uh, especially one with as nice of a stadium as the Texas Air Hogs had. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I, again, like I said, I'm not, I don't think this will be the, I don't think this will be the last, although it was the, the, the first. And unfortunately, that's just the reality until these businesses get any sort of relief. Uh, they still have bills to pay, still have uh, other, other, le- still have to pay their lease agreement, stuff like that. And, and unfortunately, who didn't have any attendance to begin with it was it was tough for them to survive without any sort of revenue this year and i guess there were a lot of red flags coming in um i guess there are a lot of red flags that we didn't necessarily pick up on uh, but uh, at the end of the day that's kind of it, it's not abnormal to independent league baseball the american association will be fine they'll they'll definitely do a good job expanding into texas or wherever they're well-run league they'll 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 be all right but it definitely it definitely sucks for for those air hogs fans and i'm sure there are plenty of uh diehards out there that are hurting today exactly it's like when new britain lost their team it doesn't make it you know you can point out oh the attendance wasn't good or they weren't that good on the field or or whatever factors it is and it makes sense from a business perspective you can only have so much wherewithal to what's happening around you if you don't have the income if you just have too high of expenses if what you're trying is just failing there's only so much you can do and it it's especially uh challenging during uh, times of great stress such as a global pandemic and when like you said you don't have any relief coming from either the form of additional funding or loans or at least the local government helping you out with whatever lease payment you have or something of any sort. 
it really becomes a matter of when, not if you're going to go under. But like I said, despite all that, it doesn't make it any less disappointing if you're a fan of the team. I mean, if you're a seven, eight, nine year old kid that, you know, you'd go with either your summer camp or your parents or your grandparents or maybe your buddies and you go to an Air Hogs game or two over the season and, you know, you kind to you, that's your major league team. That that is as good as the major leagues is to you. You can't yeah. tell the difference at that point. It, it's still it's just the experience. And to know that that's gone now is disappointing any way you cut it. I mean, there's no real way around that. And I'm sure, I mean, they've been around for 12 years. I'm sure there's some people that grew up always going to Air Hawks games. You know, when the team came in, they were like eight, nine, 10 years old. Now they're, I mean, how they're our age. They're in their early 20s and their their team's gone. And they don't really know where to go with it from here. And that's that's disappointing in and of itself. But it's also disappointing because you know how many jobs are permanently gone now. Though you've noted with the front office staff, there's only two guys listed there. So I imagine most of them were either uh, let go or furloughed or some form like that. So the financial burden to them is, you know, already been handled. And now at least they have closure on the matter. But mm-hmm. at the very least, it, it, does, it is disappointing if you want to make a career in sports, if you want to do something with that. And now that opportunity has been kind of taken from you like that. And it's unfortunate. It's nobody's real fault in this. It's just business didn't work out. And obviously, we don't need to talk about the players and the coaches that are now. They have, what, 25 less jobs between all of them? That, yeah. It, it's disappointing that way. And like you said, it's not that surprising or that shocking. Nothing in that particular field is really that unexpected in independent league ball, or really minor league baseball in general. But even still, it's still a bit jarring. So hopefully this is the only one, but at the same time, if it isn't, it's not like it's going to be that shocking. And it's uh, rather unfortunate. Right, definitely. So I guess with that, we kind of wrapped it up. Uh, That's about 30 minutes on this topic here. So I'll probably have to do some editing again, uh, just as a warning to what lies ahead uh, during that recording. Luckily, not during our little insert piece here, but during the main recording, there are segments, particularly during the Ottawa talk, where just certain segments drop out. Uh, So the beginning part of a question or part of an answer kind of falls out. And as a result, uh, it's a bit confusing. So I did my best to fix it. Uh, hopefully it's not too bad. We'll get the issue fixed. Uh, like you're about to hear later on, uh, we got some news coming up uh, in regards to interviews going forward. There should be one next week. Yeah. Then there'll be one probably the week after that. And hopefully the week after that and so on and so forth here. But uh, uh, we said all we can say. Uh, now with that, said we bring you back to your regularly scheduled programming please stand by for further details we return you now to your regularly scheduled program like i said last week and in subsequent weeks uh, we are into the off season now so it is awfully difficult to find news it's even more difficult to find any sort of interesting news during the world series because Major League Baseball likes to black out any sort of news that they can uh, during this time. And so, unless we want to go through player transactions, which, to be fair, at this point in the year, really, really don't mean anything. I mean, most of the guys signed 
I would say before April, uh, they got 50-50 shot at best to make in the roster. Even the guys signed in April, really, uh, you can't really do anything in regards to player evaluations until the season begins, uh, just because of how much volatility there is in the roster. So uh, we're not going to do that, plus it gets tedious. But we do have uh, information about Ottawa. They filled up their staff. Uh, Three Rivers found their replacement manager. And then we got some uh, some other just kind of miscellaneous stuff. It shouldn't be too long of a week. And, uh, yeah, so I guess we could kind of get going there and start by talking about all the news and happenings in the capital of Canada, Ottawa. First of all, Ottawa has a team back. I, I know we've talked about that at, at length in the past. And I think we and w- what we've also talked about before, how great of a hire both Nick and I think Steve Brook is. And so it's, it sounds like they, they've filled out their uh, their coaching staff. So they hired Nick Kennedy as, as an assistant coach. While they're pitching and hitting coach coaches, I guess they're also going to be uh, players as well from, from what I can tell. I really hope you can pronounce the, the hitting coach's name. So I'm just going to stick to the pitching coach because that's who, that, that's who I know. Uh, Cody Mincy, a guy uh, a lot of Atlantic League fans will be pretty familiar with. If you remember, especially Long Island Ducks fans, he did pitch for the Ducks in the 2019 season. And by the end of the year, and especially during their playoff run, he did serve as their closer. He, w- he was fantastic uh, as the closer, primarily the closer in the back half of the year with the ducks. Um, and it's really interesting. I guess this was more this move for him going, uh, going to play in the frontier league was more trying to get his, uh, m- more to get his coaching career off the ground, maybe his post playing career uh, off the ground instead of trying to maybe trying to get back to affiliated ball at this point. I, I think, I-, I think that's probably why he went back to the frontier league. He did. He, he d- played for Steve Brook, I believe, uh, in three for three seasons in uh, in River City, and was very good in um, in all three of those seasons. So there's definitely some familiarity there. Uh, and I think from a coaching perspective, I know Cody Mincy is a really smart guy. I've talked to him multiple occasions. He's really nice, really smart guy. Loves loves the game. Uh, and from the, from the pitching side of it, I, I think it's safe to say, Nick, that Ottawa probably has their closer and a very and a very good option at that. Yeah, no, Cody Mincy is one of the top relievers, I would say, in the Atlantic League last they played. And like you said, he was he played for Steve Brook for a little bit there. Long Island's where most people knew him from. I know when I read his name, I was like, oh, that, that sounds familiar. And then I looked up, like, oh, yeah, there's two reasons it's familiar. One, he played for Long Island. Two, uh, we're following him on Instagram, which you could do, too. Uh, and you can follow us on Instagram, too, at uh, Indie Ball Report and at ALPB underscore news. But plugs aside he's definitely a good hire he's definitely a guy that uh, like you said he's going to come to the frontier league mainly to get the coaching career uh going on that front nick kennedy's definitely a guy like he's uh for frontier league fans he played for rockland for a little bit last two years but he was mainly in river city for the for the vast majority of his nine-year career i believe seven years so he was under brook for quite some time so uh, i know brook said uh, all three guys added are uh are very quality guys, you know, they're baseball, they're baseball guys, they know what they're doing, as well as uh, being very competent players, some of them, uh, as far as still playing. 
moreover, though, uh, their pitching coach was Cody Mincy, like we said, manager Steve Brook, assistant coach is Nick Candy, but their hitting coach, uh, he hasn't played since 2018, and that was last in the American Association, also played uh, for Steve Brook, and it is Kyle Goodell, I believe is how that's pronounced. There was a little pronunciation guide. Yeah, there's a little pronunciation guide. It's linked in the show notes, and it had Goodell as the... Uh, pronunciation that's not what i would have guessed from the way the name is spelled but i'm gonna defer to the guy that was put into the frontier league article yeah no i I think that's that's much better i I don't i don't even think you'd want to hear what i would have what i would have pronounced him as but but anyway i think especially when you look back he hasn't played in two years i mean to be honest with you even when he played in 2018 uh, with with the Chicago Dogs, I mean, it was for 13 games, like 52 plate appearances. Not sure how much you can take from that. I mean, the, his last full season, uh, at, at least from the player side of it, uh, was in 2016 with River City, and he he mashed in 88 games, hitting 308 with an OPS of 916 and 14 homers. So he definitely showed um, he can definitely hit at the Frontier League level. Again, though, that was four years ago. So will he be able to, I'm not sure what kind of shape he's in now, what kind of, uh, what kind of timing he has to get down at this point. I don't know. So it'll be interesting from that point, but I'm sure um, at this point, considering he's, he's 30 years old, I guess soon to be 31. Again, I think I view this similar to Mincy in the sense that he's looking to jumpstart his, uh, his coaching career. And I think this is a good spot to do it. Yeah. Now I think Ottawa is the, the kind of market that makes a lot of sense to do it right now. Plus you're clearly working with uh, a guy, you know, in Steve Brook. I don't know, but did Goodell and Mincy ever cross paths here or did, uh, I imagine Goodell um, and Kennedy may have. Like, were they teammates? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, I, I, I would have to think that, I mean, Cody Mincy did pitch for a while in River City. Let me see. Uh, no, they they, no. they didn't cross paths. No, ju- just okay. a year off. Okay, so then, all right, so maybe, maybe then with Kennedy then, because I know Kennedy was there until 20, I want to say 2018 was his first year in Rockland. So it'd be like 17 and then like 10 to 17 or 11 to 17, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. See, so now we've got, you got two other guys on that staff that he knows. And so I imagine that's also a comforting thing there. Uh, Mincy then probably, yeah, because Mincy, if he was there in say 17, then he probably passed uh, with Kennedy too. So, I mean, there's a connect, there's connective tissue there on that whole coaching staff. So I think that'll work out pretty well there. If that's yeah, the case. So. All right, so moving on to the next part about Ottawa here. This is going to be kind of a Canadian-heavy show, guys. This is not a very deep week. There is news at the end of the episode, though, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but we knew that when Cats and OSEG uh, got the lease deal done and agreed to bring a team into Ottawa, something that we've been talking about for quite some time on the show, and then it finally became a reality, uh, that we knew the lease would be 125000 Canadian for 10 years. What we didn't know and then was found in a uh, different article is that they also inherited the debt from the champion. So the full $473,000 Canadian, uh, they now owe to the city. So they they took on the major crux of what drew the original, well not original, there's like four or five teams that preceded them, but drew the last Ottawa team 
out of uh, well, playing baseball. I've driven out of business. So it's something that's a very, very much interest to me that you would see a guy that's negotiating a lease in Winnipeg at the moment take on all this money obligation for a new team in Ottawa. So I'm, I'm just I'm curious to know what you think about taking on nearly half a million dollars in debt while he's got four or five different things going on here. I don't really know how to describe it other than it's interesting because obviously I'm not too familiar into I don't know, but I tell you, I'll tell you what though. I guess for for uh, for Ottawa fans, th- this kind of seems like a good sign from their perspective because it really does show that Cats and um, and OSCG are really in this for the long haul. Because I mean, you've seen so much um, so much volatility in the. Uh, with with uh, with baseball in Ottawa over the past, I mean, five years, it, it seems like every time there's every every year there's some sort of, there's some sort of new issue with, with Ottawa, and I think the fact that Cats and Cats and OSCG were willing to pick up that almost almost half a million dollars in debt really does show that they're that they're committed to bringing sustainable uh, a sustainable well-run professional baseball market to Ottawa and I think from that perspective from 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 an Ottawa fan I think that's that's a pretty good sign in my opinion yeah and going back to when this was when we first covered this on the show my point was yeah OCG is better as opposed to the three knuckleheads they'll all that all we're trying to pitch in and buy a baseball team. I think at the time I right. said, yeah, these three, it's like a idea at a bar that they took seriously when they were half in the bag, where it's like, oh, we should just go buy a baseball team. And then they tried to do yeah. it. And it was like, uh, you clearly don't have the resources that OSUG does. Because at the time, I think it was just mainly them. I don't recall if Cass was involved there or not, but clearly he wound up being involved because OCG owns the uh, local hockey team, the Ottawa 67s. They own the Ottawa Red Blacks of the CFL. I believe they also own the soccer team there too. I don't recall what their name was, but they owned a large, significant portion of the sports market in Ottawa. So there's clearly a lot of relations that go into that, and they clearly have a deep base. Now, granted, I'm not sure how much the pandemic is going to affect their ability to do all this. But I agree with you in the sense of if they if they can take on the amount of obligated money that they're taking on, which is significantly more than a million dollars in obligations over the next 10 years, that mm-hmm. clearly is a sign that, okay, it's, it's a good start because they have the money or they have the expectation that they'll be able to turn a profit and be able to pay that off. It's just still concerning to see a team start off with that much in the hole already when I have to imagine you expect to lose money in the beginning on top of the fact that you're going to have a pandemic to compete with as well. And if you have another situation where, again, the Canadian teams can't play in Canada this year, then you really are kind of up the creek here because it's like, okay, well, what do they do? Like, are you going to have a league where it's the three Canadian Frontier League teams, and then we're going to try and get Winnipeg involved and have some sort of weird Canadian division? Are we going to have all mm-hmm. four of them play south of the border and then just kind of do a weird revenue split? Like, that... If not for the pandemic, I would say, oh, okay, this is that really surprising. I, I would see why this is a necessity here, but it is a bit concerning from the Ottawa perspective that you're starting off this much in the hole. That's never a great place to be. 
the other thing that I find interesting is, and it does explain a lot why Cats is playing hardball with the city of Winnipeg, is uh, you still have to get that lease done. And if you're on the hook for this much money, I know OSCG is probably going to pick up a significant portion of this as well, uh, of the debt that is in the in the lease agreement. But even still, you're associated with that much money committed, and you still got to work out Winnipeg, which I imagine being your first team that when you can play at home, I imagine it turns a profit. If at the very least it loses very little, you would be focused on getting that one done first. You'd be focused on securing something there. And I understand that that's a problem for three years down the line. That's when the chickens are really going to hatch at that point. But even still, it's a bit surprising that you commit to so much money in one city before you settle everything up in another city. Yeah, that's that's definitely surprising to me. And I think I, I, I also think there's definitely is, well, I mean, one of the most successful franchises in the American Association and has definitely been more successful uh, th- than Ottawa as well. So you would think that that would be um, you, you would think that, would, uh, that Winnipeg would be a top priority. But you know what? I, I, I don't know. See, I'm not I'm not a huge I'm certainly no business major in college or anything. And I'm sure Sam Katz knows a a hell of a lot more than I do. Uh, And and you're right when you say that if we have, if we have some sort of situation next spring where we still can't have travel between the U S and Canada. And I I know, I know we saw this year with the, with the blue Jays and Buffalo and the, with the Toronto blue Jays and Buffalo. uh, What once the NHL and the NBA come back in January, it sounds like um, it it sounds like the, the Toronto Raptors and, it sounds like the Toronto Raptors won't be able to play in Canada and for, for all the hockey teams in Canada, God knows what, what what's going to happen there with so many with, I, I believe how many Canadian teams, like eight teams. I believe it's eight. I think the plan for eight. the NHL was to make a whole Canadian division have Canada play amongst itself this year and kind of redo the divisional structure. So it'd be just basically geographic. Yeah. And, and I know, and, and obviously for, um, for a league like the NBA, when you have one Canadian market, that's not really an option. I, I saw they were looking at options like Louisville, Kentucky, or, uh, or somewhere else, wherever they end up choosing to play. That, that, that's all well and good for a league like the, for leagues like the NBA and the NHL. But to be honest with you, it, it could be, it could mean real, real trouble if you can't, if you, if come next April or May, you still can't travel between the U.S. and Canada. That's that's going to be a really big problem for uh, for these for these businesses um, up in Canada. These baseball teams uh, with like Winnipeg and Three Rivers and Ottawa and, and Quebec. That's going that's going to be really tough for them. It's hard. It's hard when you're a business like an independent league team. I it's, I guess I guess you can lose the amount of money they did this year with uh, some with most of them not playing. I guess you can do that for one year, but once you once you start creeping into two, I mean, you hear with Major League Baseball owners that they're saying, "Hey, we can't play another season without fans," and it, it's got to be heightened even more for um, for independent league markets. So th- that's that's you're right. It, it's really all dependent on there being some sort of. Uh, some sort of distribution of a vaccine at this at that point, and for them to be able to travel between the U.S. and Canada to keep the to keep the Frontier League afloat, and I and hopefully that happens because I, I really have 
I really do have a lot of hope for the for the Frontier League next year. And specifically, I, I think this Ottawa franchise could, could work out pretty well as well. Exactly. Like I think Ottawa finally has, and I know I may just be buying into more magic beans here, because every time it's like, oh, if you just, this time Ottawa will work, this time Ottawa will work. And, you know, how many times do you have to see a fail before you just missed a failed market? But this time I actually do believe that it will work. They have a solid basis as far as money goes with OSDG. And even Sam Katz isn't shy to open his wallet either. And you have a guy in Katz that knows how to run a baseball team. Both both Katz are involved, uh, both Sam and Reagan. Uh, they know what they're doing. They've been involved in baseball, not just in general, but baseball in Canada specifically for quite right. some time. They picked a manager in Steve Brook, who's also bilingual. That will definitely help. Uh, they they know how to run a team. They know how to run a successful team, both on and off the field. There's there's everything pointing towards it will succeed. Plus, this time it's in a much more stable league in the Frontier League. And we saw when there was affiliated, and you had the Ottawa Link there, and they were uh, affiliate of I believe it was Montreal for quite Montreal, some time. Yeah. Yep, and then it was eventually Washington when they moved, and then eventually that affiliate moved. But regardless of that. The market can work if you do it right, and I think that they can do it right. But like you said, with the pandemic and everything, it makes it a lot more difficult. And doing what the NHL wants to do and having a Canadian division doesn't really work when there's only three teams there. And I can't see you going, oh, well, we'll just expand to Canada, have a few more teams there, so that way we can make a, a five-team Canadian division. Uh, that just wouldn't seem very prudent, so I don't expect that to happen. I don't even expect that idea to have been floated, to be quite honest, and it's just a really difficult situation all the way around, and like you said, how many more seasons can they afford to not play, and how many seasons can you afford to play even with limited capacity? I mean, that's another question you have to ask. It's like, well, in Ottawa, there's 10,000 seats, so, okay, perhaps can you have... can you have 3,000 fans there? Can you have 2,000 fans there? And at what point is your break-even number? I yeah. mean, if your break-even number is 4,000 fans and you can only have 3,000 fans... Then, again, there, there's so much we don't know about this virus, specifically once it gets to the spring. And it all it, it really all does uh, depend, on, uh, depend on a vaccine. And, and, and hopefully, uh, God willing, that happens. And so, so we can have a somewhat of a, a normal, normal summer next ne- next year. And I think it it all comes. It, that's what it really all comes down to. And, and you just gotta hope. And, and like like you mentioned, I, I don't know if again if they limit capacity, say to two thousand. Yes, that's that's a pretty big problem. But if they limit it to say like, oh, you could have it at fifty percent. I mean, what are the what are the chances that Ottawa was going to have more than five thousand fans? Um, and, and, and any given game to me, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't see that as that big of a deal. Um, if they were to limit it to say 50% capacity, that wouldn't be too big of a deal to me. Cause I can't imagine they were banking on the fact that of having more than 5,000 fans, uh, if they were, I'd certainly be surprised. But I, again, if, if they, if they're limiting it to say 2000 fans, that, that could be really tough. 
Yeah, I think the I think they're going to have an internal number. I think the one saving grace is the Frontier League. Generally speaking, it's a bit of a cheaper league to operate, just because right. player salaries are lower, which is obviously your biggest uh, price point. And if you have a reduced capacity crowd, you could probably reduce game day staff down. So that will help cut some corners on that from there's areas where you can shave a bit to get closer to a, a feasible number. Obviously, it's not the way you want to start off in a new city with a new team. But, I mean, whatever you need to do, you need to do there. And then uh, you also got to wonder with, uh, like, Quebec. Because I believe Quebec at the moment is going through another spike in COVID. Now, obviously, it's hard to predict anything with COVID, you know, six months, seven months out. It, so much changes so quickly that to predict anything now is just kind of... Uh, and not the right thing to do, but uh, it's going to be a situation that's going to develop over time. And hopefully there will be a plan in place because like we just spent the past what five, 10 minutes talking about here, uh, how the question really is, can they afford another year without fans or without playing? And uh, it's it's a loaded question there because I don't think uh, the answer is the one we want. Yeah. No doubt. Yep. So with that, we'll go to the the other last real bit of news that we have uh, for today, which is Three Rivers has their new manager. Uh, if you'll recall, a couple weeks back, TJ Stanton and the Eagles couldn't come to terms on a new contract. He hit the open market, and Rockland, Rock, well, Rockland slash New York, whichever you prefer to call them, the Boulders, scooped him up to be their new manager. So Matthew Rausch will be named the new manager of Three Rivers. He replaces TJ Stan, as I just said. Uh, he played with the team from 2014 to 2018. Uh, he has a number retired by the team, actually, I believe last year. And uh, yeah, so he's the new manager. Kyle LaFriends, I believe is how it's pronounced, will be the pitching coach for the team. Uh, still waiting to see if there's going to be a hitting coach. Still waiting to see if they're going to have an assistant coach. Uh, LaFriends played for the team from 2014 to 2017, so they were teammates for quite some time. Actually, I believe he was the, the guy who caught Roach for a while, uh, Roush for a while. And so uh, that's just kind of where we're at with Three Rivers. They have at least the startings of their staff, and I'll be interested to see where they go from here. Yeah, it, it, it was. A re- I think Roush is a really inter- interesting hire for Three Rivers. I mean, his, uh, his playing career... Uh, specifically for Three Rivers is, I mean, you could probably argue he's probably one of the best. He's probably, well, he was, his number was retired, so he could be arguably the best pitcher um, that Three Rivers has, has ever had. And so he, his playing career is there is it's, it's well, well talked about, uh, very decorated. And, um, and, and I think that, and bringing in a guy like that, it definitely has, it definitely has its, um, it definitely has its uh, improvements. Like it, it, I think that it, it, it's a it's an interesting hire though because he doesn't have any managerial experience. Now I, I don't want to I don't want to make too big of a deal about that because listen everybody everybody needs their first the, their first managing job at some point and so it, it it's definitely kind of a swing for the fences hire in my opinion. It could work out really well, but there is there is that potential that maybe Roush just isn't cut out to be a manager and which and again there's so and there's so much more to being a manager in independent league baseball than just managing the team on the field i mean you gotta re, you gotta recruit players which you don't really 
you, you don't really see in a lot of uh, when you're managing a lot of other teams. And there's there's certainly some managers that are much better at that than others. And there's some ways where an experienced manager who's done this, who, who's done the whole recruiting recruiting players thing before. You have an advantage when you have a guy when you're hiring a guy who, who's done that before, and that's that's going to be kind of the interesting thing here is how good will Roush be recruiting wise, and of course how good will he be uh, managing on the field? And with with a guy that doesn't have a, a lot of managerial or doesn't have any managerial any managerial experience, it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it's um it's kind of a home run swing. So it, it could work out really well, but there definitely is that. Uh, he, he's definitely no TJ Stanton. Uh, I I think that that's for sure. But um, it, it's an it's an interesting hire, and I think there's a chance for it to go really well, and there's a chance for it to to not to not go well at all. I think that's just something we, we really have to see. Yeah, it's that's the thing with uh, new hires. They're always a coin flip. You never know if you're going to be getting a terrific guy, if you're going to be getting a a so-so guy, what the deal's going to be. I like your point about the recruiting players, being a younger guy, being a guy that's just coming off playing, really. He's probably still uh, fairly well connected with a lot of guys to get them up there. He's obviously a guy that knows the team. He knows the area. He's clearly a fan favorite. He was that good of a, of a pitcher that he had his number retired, which I guess now it's kind of sort of unretired because I imagine he'll be wearing his number 22 uh, as a manager. But uh, regardless... I I think it will be very interesting to see how that plays out. I I do wonder though if they were saying, okay, he's a first time manager, he's just recently retired as a player, he knows the team, maybe we could get him a little bit cheaper. I imagine the issue with trying to get Stanton back would have either been just opportunity or money. If you're already a manager of a team, one that's fairly good and doing a decent job of recruiting up to three rivers, I can't imagine it would be something other than uh, just the, the money aspect unless Stanton wanted to come back to the U.S., but who's to say there? So I do wonder if that's an angle on this, but uh, regardless, I think this is going to be one of those hires that either we look back in two years and go, oh, that, was, that just didn't work out, or, oh, well, that worked out fairly well. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think I think you made it. You made a good point about about cost, because when you have a guy like TJ Stanton, who's who, TJ Stanton, who's been so successful in in the Can Am League and probably will and probably will be in the in the Frontier League as well, you you have to wonder what what kind of uh, if that was a financial decision, um, kind of saying that hey, we don't really have the money to give you what you want right now, and certainly the boulders the boulders would be able to instead of three rivers so that that's something that's something you got to wonder about because listen everyone ever all so many businesses are hurting right now obviously independent league baseball teams are, are no different so that, that that's an interesting point and i think that it, that that could could have certainly been um that could have certainly been a factor in hiring a first-time manager like roush instead of uh trying maybe opening up the checkbook a little more to bring back uh bring back a guy like tj stanton yeah i think that was just my main thought on that because i mean we just spent the past however many minutes saying look how many more times can you now afford to play and already I know uh, Three Rivers was in a bit of a touch-and-go situation, whether or not they were going to make the jump over because they were figuring out an ownership situation. 
and it was always touch and go with them. So I, I imagine that that factors in there. And I mean, I don't want to, I, there's no real shame in admitting that, yeah, we were going through a bit of a rough patch because, you know, we're in a pandemic and we're in independent league baseball. Those are two things that are going to hit the ship rather hard. So, you know, I, I don't think there's a, that much of an issue with it. It's just, you know, I think there's enough enough managers where you could have went with someone with more managerial experience yeah, as opposed to going with Matt Roush. But again, we don't really know if it's a good hire or a bad hire yet. It's a hire that we're going to know that answer in like two or three years. So Right, 100%. So. You're right. So then the last thing I really want to just mention on this show, because now we actually do have enough time where I can call this a, a decent sized episode. Uh, the article I wrote that's still up on the website. You can read that. Uh, any thoughts about that? It just really is talking about uh, what we know so far about this MLB partnership deal, what it means for kind of baseball in general, but more centrally focused on what it means for the independent league teams. Yeah, I, I think I think I think it's a great article. It's definitely uh, gives gives a lot of great uh, information about what specifically the the whole partner partner league idea means for means for indie ball markets. Uh, I I definitely agree with a lot of the points you made. I don't want to give too much away because I do want I definitely want people to go read it. But uh, yeah, so if you if you haven't gave gave it a read. Uh, I, I highly, highly recommend you do. I think it's uh, it definitely it, it goes a lot of far beyond like the press releases from each team you saw that kind of just like gives you a lot of fluff, to be honest with you. So I, I think it's a great article and I, I definitely recommend that everybody go check it out on IndieBallReport.com. Yep. Like Will said, it's on IndieBallReport.com underneath the articles tab so you go to the website click articles it should be the first one that appears you just click the drop down drops the whole thing down you can read it there and then i know uh way back about 40 minutes ago or so i said oh yeah we got this announcement coming up at the end of the show i really can't go into too many details because we're still in the scheduling phase but the interviews are back i can guarantee you that we have one that's really really cool uh, someone from the Atlantic League, that's about as much as I can say at the moment. They're going to be on, and we're going to be spending an hour talking with them, and it's going to be really cool, really insightful. Like I said, I can't really say too much outside of they're from the Atlantic League, or rather an Atlantic League team, rather, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what they have to say and uh, how they run their organization and everything about that, so... It's going to be, uh, that should be coming up fairly soon. We're picking from about six or seven dates at the moment. And once we have a date scheduled where everyone can be on the call, we're going to do that. Going to have that recorded for you. And then we'll go back to our usual routine of doing some news, having an interview, talking about the interview, and then uh, going from there. So we have that one scheduled and we're in the process of scheduling about four or five other ones. So hopefully... Starting in November, we should have, or possibly even on Halloween, we should have an interview ready for you to listen and hopefully be able to run that one through uh, till the end of the year. And uh, yeah, that's that was really the announcement that we have our first interview in the works. It's just about ready. It's just a matter of finding a date at this point. Right. So yeah, super excited for it. Yep. Uh, it's I'm. You guys are really gonna like it. Let me tell you that. But uh, with that said. 
Uh, time to go for the plugs. Uh, you can find the show wherever you find podcasts. So that's TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, Podomatics, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Uh, I think CastBox, too, if people use that. Uh, like I said, just about anywhere you find podcasts, you can find our podcast. So be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a rating and a review to help us grow. Uh, we have now have apparently competition on Podomatic in the baseball grouping because I saw we went from one to two and that that just annoyed the hell out of me because we've been number one for weeks now just weeks we had like a 20 to 30 day streak where there wasn't even anyone close so we need to bump that number back up we need to get back into number one we can't let these new challengers beat us we we can't be dethroned that's right you got to assert yourself on this tur- on the turf here. And they're just exactly. talking MLB. There's a dozen MLB podcasts. There's only really like one or two that talk indie ball. Uh, I'd like to think that we're the best of them. That may not I, be true, but I think it is. I, I, I think it's true. Got to be. Got to be. We have two people thinking it now. So if you want to keep in touch with everyone on the show, you could do so on social media by following the podcast on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can also follow both of us on Instagram. You can follow Will's main project in AOPB underscore news on Instagram, and you can follow the podcast on uh, Instagram at IndieBallReport. Uh, so that's really all we got to plug here. Obviously, the website we just mentioned, which is IndieBallReport.com. The article we just mentioned, that's on there under the articles heading. If you want to find any of the links to any of the things we referenced today, you can do so under the show notes tab on the site. And then if you want to listen to the podcasts all in one spot, they are also available on the website. Although I may be doing a little bit of redesigning uh, coming up soon because uh, that episode page loads awfully slow and I need to do something about that. But uh, regardless, there's also videos there too and some cool graphics, which I totally forgot were on the site as well. Uh, They're there too, so you can take a look at that. And uh, with that said, uh, do we have anything else left to add? Uh, my, my, My last word today, my last thing to add is that is really, really painful being a New York Giants football fan. That's all I'm going to say. You have no sympathy for me. You won two Super Bowls over the last okay, 15 years. Okay, first of all, I was, like, I was like seven years old for one of, for one of them. I didn't, I didn't even know what football was back then. So oh, I, I don't think that's necessarily fair. I haven't seen any of my teams ever win a championship. The closest was losing in a World Series and in a Stanley Cup. I don't want to hear anything here. I'm just saying we've been the worst team in football for the last four years. It's it's pretty painful and losing to the Eagles yet again in the most heartbreaking fashion you could possibly lose a game. You know, most of our viewerships from North Jersey and there's going to be a large chunk of them that are jet fans that are going to go, Oh, poor you only the last four years. Listen, I, I, I understand that, but it's more painful when you're actually in the game. I'll put that up. It, it, it's more painful. I mean, you're getting the thing is the Giants aren't even getting blown out. Like you, you were just finding ridiculous ways to lose games. Like, I don't know, dropping a, dropping a wide open pass to get the first down to close out the game. Or I don't know, first and goal from the 18, allowing a touchdown pass. I don't know. I mean, that, that seems pretty, pretty New York Giants. to me. I mean, I mean the Jets, they're just losing like 24 zero. Like there's nothing else to that. Yeah, but you're getting beat by like Ryan Fitzmagic. 
That's true. Like, that's not an improvement. Plus, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick for starter. My man shouldn't have gotten benched. Oh, yeah. No, look, like, I understand they want to play Tua, but at the I same time, yeah. like, Fitz was playing fine. Like, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, at least wait until he has a bad game to do it. But I agree. Yeah. Uh, regardless, though, I, I do think Jeff fans are going to take exception to that, seeing as they're like, look, the only thing we have over like the last 30 years was the two times we went to an AFC championship I'm game not, to get stomped listen, by I'm New not England. Saying, I'm not saying it's the being a Giants is like the most painful. I'm just saying it is painful. That's all I'm saying. I, I look, I said my piece. I said my piece. Okay. But, fair enough. Uh, with. With that said, nothing else left to add, uh, like we do every week. Uh, Until next time, don't forget to play golf.